Hello and welcome to episode 995 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Tuesday, December 21st. I'm your host, Paul Sporer, joined today by both Justin Mason and Jason Collette. Gentlemen, good morning. Buenos dias. Como estas? How we doing? I'm, I am well. Thank you for asking. I think that's you mean. You I said, didn't how ask. Am I doing? No, that was, that was not you. I did. I'm talking, not oh. talking to you because yeah, you don't understand sorry. Spanish. We probably should have just done this alone, Jason. Let's be honest. Like, I'll see you guys later. I mean, I'm not like Alex Fast and taking Spanish lessons every day of a calendar year, which is just like so Alex to be that dedicated to something. Right. Um, and But I just really tested the limits of my Spanish ability. And that, that's after taking three years in school. And my first wife was Puerto Rican. And, like I should know more, but I don't. Maybe it's a mental block. But you know, I, I remember some of the basic phrases. Uh, and there we go. That's as much as I know. Yeah, I wish I'd have. I, I wish I'd have jumped into it. Um, you know, I started in high school with French because I was in Michigan. I was basically on the border of Canada, trying to pick up the chicks. Th- then I moved to uh, deep South Texas on the border of uh, Mexico, and I didn't shift. I continued to take French while in Texas in high school. What a, what a dumbass. What an absolute dumbass. Uh, Spanish would have been so much more practical, but uh, I don't know it. I, anyway. I, I speak fluent French and Spanish. No, you don't. This is true. Thank you. I thought so. Stewardess, I speak jive. We got, the, <laughs> we got the band back together here to talk some third base. The hot corner. Jason will, will navigate us around these... Uh, these positional questions, but we got to talk a little bit of news that we've seen happen. I'm not going to lie, guys. When I saw this come across, I thought it was um, I, I thought it was a joke, to be honest, because I didn't know that moves could still happen. But uh, Buck Showalter to the Mets. And OK, I guess he was their 497th choice or whatever. <laughs> I just wonder, do, do do we have any immediate concerns? Let's let's start with you, Jason. Uh, do we have any immediate concerns about Showalter as a Met as it relates to the players or, or anything that this is that this news changes for you in terms of assessing the Mets? I mean, he's apparently the guy that Max Scherzer wanted. Uh, I remember reading some throwaway lines that you know, yes, I'm all on board with having Showalter come here as a manager. So. Uh, you know, it may not have been the Mets' first choice, but at least he was uh, their their new pitcher's uh, first choice. And when you yeah. look at, like, you go to B-Ref and look at his managerial tendencies, uh, and, you know, he has not been an aggressive guy running. So, like, the immediate thing would be how does it impact how they're putting together this roster? You know, they just went and, and, and pulled Mark Canha and Starling Marte from the A's to the Mets. Uh, and, you know, the concern when Marte was sent uh, from Miami to Oakland was, oh, man, he's not going to run. Well, you yeah. know, like any of us who had Marte on the roster loved it because the guy just never stopped running. I mean, he, uh, he until... completely went off and he's yeah, still it's, running. It's exactly what I saw. I, I see a similar thing possibly developing here where the concerns are going to be, uh oh, Showalter doesn't run. What's that do for Marte? Uh oh, Oakland doesn't run. They're going to stop him. Who did Oakland stop? Who did they stop from running? Did they run? Did they not run because they don't like it and they think it's an inefficient model, or did they not run because they didn't have anybody who was particularly fast? Right. I think it was definitely that. We saw that with uh, with Marte. I think it's the same thing here with Showalter. No, he did not run with Baltimore at all. He has a rate plus, which is just the uh, you know the standard scaling uh, of, of stealing second base with the OPS plus, ERA plus, uh, all those other ones where 100 is average. 
he was a 64 with Baltimore. Very, very low in terms of how often he sent guys. But who did he have to send? He had a softball team. Exactly. <laughs> he had a softball team for most of those years there. And if anything, I mean, he's he's a tinkerer. And if you look at some of those other rate pluses, like he likes to substitute guys in and out of the lineup, which, you know, if the National League comes back with the standard National League rules, that'll be a good thing. Maybe that enhances the value of a, of a bench guy and his ability to steal some bases uh, for their in, in single league formats. Uh, Justin to that will point. die if they don't bring the DH. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Me too. Yeah, believe can't, me. He can't me go too. down. No, I, yeah, I, I, I can't live another season of no DH. In hey, but in this, but in the positive side, he has not been an above average caller for sack bunts since the 2014 season. So Let's that alone go. makes him He's a been good manager. Drastically lower too. In 2014, he was a 120, so he called for bunts 20% more often there on the sack bunts. Since then, 67, 72, 65, 81 for Buck. So he learned the error of his ways there. But I again, and well, I, the other thing we haven't mentioned, I'm a little concerned first before I get to it uh, about the speed. I mean, his team when he was with the Orioles was last in Major League Baseball. Uh, in terms of stolen bases, and I, I know it, you mentioned slow and he went down though. He, like, who did he have? He had, the one thirty run thirty stolen base season was Nate McLeod. Yeah, so he, let he, he only has two guys run. with twenty stolen base seasons mm -hmm. in his eight years in Baltimore. In Baltimore, uh, so I mean, I'm, I'm I kind of tend to agree with you. He didn't have a lot of burners on the team, anyways, uh, and so it's unlikely that it's going to be a huge impact just something to kind of keep in the back of your mind and maybe you you know knock guys like canna and Marte down just a little bit because of it just on just to play a little bit more conservative um bullpen we know he's not going to be uh putting his closer in and in, in non-save situations so yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, the stolen base thing is kind of is kind of freaky because the one year in, in the last season it was Jonathan VR and Jace Peterson that led the team in steals with 21 and 13 and they were part-time players. Uh, if you go back and look at uh, 2016, guess who led the stole? Guess who led the 2016 Orioles in stolen bases? Mark Trumbo, baby. Close. He tied for second. Oh, jeez. <laughs> with two. Yeah. Joey um, Rickard with four stolen bases led the 2016 Baltimore Orioles in stolen bases. In, in 2018, th this kind of underscores my point pretty nicely here. In 2018, Jonathan VR stole 21 in 54 games. Yeah. He had a burner. He let him burn. I don't really see any issues for stolen. Machado stole 20 in 2015. And it's he's like, not even it, that fast. Somebody shows it, but then the next guy was Harada Parra with five. Yeah, that's so hilarious. it's just like if you can run, you run. But so it might it might the back seasons they didn't have a one guy with double digit stolen bases. It might be a situation where Canha gets slowed down, um, but he has generally been uh, pretty efficient. So I'm not even sure that that's the case. But Canha spiked 12 this year, kind of out of nowhere. He was four for four and 20. But then three for five in 2019. So if you're banking on Canha for double-digit steals, I think you're doing it wrong anyway. He's 33, so, too. <laughs> yeah, put his projection at, like, six. I don't think you're going to be disappointed. But I don't think I'm moving my Marte steals projection. I really yeah, don't. Yeah, I wouldn't touch it either. They stole a total of 19 bases in uh, in 2016. The That's amazing. The, the it's almost four, stole, steals, yeah, four stolen bases, bases leading a team. 
For it, it, for context, Milwaukee stole 181 bases that year. Yeah, yeah, abso- absolutely nuts. Um, and of their starters, everyone but J.J. Hardy and Hunsu Kim had uh, 17 or more homers. Most mm-hmm. of them had 22 plus. Matt Wieters was down with 17. So again, they just mashed the ball all over the place. Kim they just signed have- a long term deal. Hunsu <laughs> uh, Kim. Yeah. Just, oh, nice. He signed a multi year deal in. Uh, in Korea, good, good for him. He's he's only 34, so he's still he's still kicking. He had a really good season last year back in the KBO. But yeah, I mean, you look at the names on this team: Weeders, Chris Davis, Jonathan Scope, J.J. Hardy, Manny Machado, Hunsu Kim, Adam Jones, Mark Trumbo, Pedro Alvarez. Who's running there? Who's running? Nobody. So again, don't let this change things too much for you. If you want to move it down a little bit, like Justin said, to maybe be conservative, so you're not blindsided. Sure, but I'm, I I'm with a, you on the can haul more than. On Marte, yes. too. You look at Marte's 30 steel projection from Steamer, not touching it. 1830. Yeah, I think that's projection fair. I stick with. All right, let's talk third base. Justin will let you drive us around here. You got the names in front of you. You got our rankings. These are the ones that we had some splits on. Like, this first one's only two points, but he's a player worth talking about, I think, too. I got to be honest. We didn't have much difference in the, in the early part of the rankings. The biggest split that we had among our top – 12 guys was just three points and it was Chris Bryant seven versus 10. And I think we've already discussed Chris Bryant, uh, you know, in, in detail. So I didn't think we really needed to get into that. Plus he's unsigned. Once he signs, if it's a favorable spot, I think I'm sure Justin will move him up a little bit. And then all of a sudden we're very close. So we do start with a guy very high, but it's only a two, two point split here. Take it away. Justin with or Jason with Austin Riley. Yeah, with uh, I mean, Paul, you have him at three. Justin, you have him at five. Uh, you know, we've Austin Riley is not an unfamiliar name on this podcast. Uh, right. We've talked about him since he was so rudely interrupting most of our conversations at the 2019 <laughs> Arizona Fall League. No, 18? dude, no, it was 17. He took Holy a crap, while. It was 17? Yeah, he was like one of the one of the younger guys. You know, we we always talk about how Fall League can be like a finishing school, and then they're, then they're in the league the next year, and that happens for a lot of guys. But he was a guy who'd only had 48 games at Double A. They give him the the trip to the Fall League there, but he still wasn't up for another two seasons or in t- until the the 19 season that entire 2018 we just had to watch him rake in the minors so we were waiting a bit for austin riley to come up after we saw him at that fall league performance that really really turned our heads yeah i wow I, it just i it, you know time has certainly flown uh for a variety of reasons over the last couple of years but i can't believe that was 17 but when you look at what he did last year uh you know we, we knew he could hit for power, but we didn't know if he could hit for average. Uh, and after multiple years of low average, all of a sudden, boom, here comes an average. You know, you guys talked about on the shortstop uh, podcast about how Tim Anderson has become the high BABIP, high average guy, uh, despite all the other flaws. I don't think anybody would mistake Austin Riley for being – because with Anderson, at least he's legging out some of that. That's not Austin Riley. Uh, you yeah. know, Austin Riley is just hitting the snot out of the baseball hard enough for it to get through. Uh, but you know, Paul, you were the higher by two. You know, talk about what you what you uh, what led you to put Austin Riley in your top three. Yeah, I fully believe in 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 what he did here. Right, and part of it is maybe that we've been tracking him for a while. He's kind of 
uh, a guy I've always believed in so that you can have that little bias that when it does come to fruition, the confirmation bias of I was waiting for this anyway and now it's here. But a 24-year-old that fully broke out, showed some signs like when he first came up, remember his first three weeks were like the most electric. Then he went in the tank basically um, for, for the rest of that 2019 season and then wasn't very good in the shortened season. He had 51 games with an 88 WRC+. plus. So we talk about uh, a phrase that we like here across the industry – prospect growth isn't linear. Austin Riley plays that out to a T. You look at his first 131 games and you're talking an 86 WRC plus, 26 homers, 76 ribbies in 503 plate appearances. But the power was evident. 216 ISO. That's what you were looking at. The keys were, could he cut the strikeouts? And then he started to in 2020. It's a shortened season. How much do you put into it? Well, he held those gains in 2021, and Riley absolutely went off. I wouldn't put him down for another 368 BABIP, obviously. I'm projecting him more in like the 270 average, but I do think the 3100 is quite bankable. So if I'm going 275, 3100, that was good enough for three for me. Part of that is an indictment of third base. Maybe Machado should be higher. That's who Justin has at three. I've always had a little bit of a... yeah, I, I'm not as I'm not as keen on Machado as others, so I admit that maybe he should be up. We don't have a big enough split to say like we're we're rivals on Austin Riley, but I do want to talk about him because uh, you know he's a breakout guy and we're wondering what he can do. I think he holds a lot of what we saw here and remains a premium player, kind of in a Raphael Devers mode, who is you know kind of the consensus number two at this position. Mm-hmm. A question I would have for you, Justin, we are, when you look at the ADP rankings right now, this is through 60, 63 spots. But, you know, there's a lot of volatility in the ADP ranking so far. And for a, t- for a guy that's – and the ADP has him fifth at, at the position with a min of 24 but a max of 85. Like, what what would wow. they do? And, you know, you – you know again, you put him at five, so it's not like uh, you don't like him. But what would be going through the head of some uh, – in, in a league where Austin Riley is going, you know, that would be in the middle of the sixth round? That, that, that's uh, a, that's akin to where – team, team league. Yeah, that's akin, before you answer, Justin, that's akin to Chris Bryant's ADP there when he went at 85. Chris Bryant's ADP is 88. So if, if Riley was down there, I'd lose my mind. But go ahead, yeah, Justin. And he, I've seen him drop like that in one of the drafts I've done so far. So it's it's not uncommon. He He's had a really wide range of ADP like Jason referenced. I, I really and to be like fair, him. this was early. I, I will say that his his high picks were early. As we've mm-hmm. gotten into draft season, it's kind of more stabilized. But early on, I don't know like what in the research people like that eighty five happened on day one of drafts. Yeah, and since then, it's it's really been yeah you know, the the line's been trending in the uh, in the sixties. But early, I mean, there have been a few few drafts even back in December second seventy four. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'll sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah, my guess, um, kind of doing a lot of this ADP of movement analysis, is that people are looking at the rest of the third base pool, and like uh, Paul mentioned, this position it's deep, but it's it's gross after you get past your first six or seven guys. There's a lot of question marks. I mean, you know, do we think Bregman's going to rebound? What, what do we think about Chris Bryant's second half? Is Anthony Rendon going to be healthy? Can DJ Mayhew rebound? Can Yon Makata be healthy and rebound? What are we getting from Cabrian Hayes? Like, it, there's just so many question marks that you start getting down towards even, like, the third and fourth tiers of third base that I think you're going to see guys like Riley, even though there's obviously some regression coming 
in the batting average department, like Paul referenced, um, there's just really not many safe options. And especially when you're talking about, you know, what's being drafted right now. Well, what's being drafted right now are draft and hold leagues in terms of redrafts. Obviously, dynasty leagues are drafting right now, too. But in draft and holds, you want guys you feel very comfortable about getting you, you know, 600 plate appearances. And Riley kind of fits that bill. So I'm not going to be surprised uh, if over the course of the next month or so before actual like fab leagues start really getting going, that Riley continues to jump. And I, I think it's right because, you know, I think we can pretty much bank on him for 600 plus plate appearances, their 30 home runs and 100 RBIs, like Paul mentioned. You know, I think 265, 270 batting average seems about mm-hmm. right if you kind of regress his BABIP down to where Steamer projects him to his BABIP to be at 322. I think that I think that feels about right. I, I think he is um, a pretty nice option. I have him just uh, below Machado and Mondesi, but I mean Mondesi is kind of a beast of his own, and you have yeah, to make a decision in a draft uh, or prior to a draft whether or not you even want to you know mess around with uh, Mondesi. So I have no problem where Riley is going. I feel like Arenado is a bit disrespected in the ADP right now, but uh, I, I kind of understand it. I, and I agree. And I'm glad you brought up Mondesi because I want to. I have. I have to move there. You know, you guys both have him at four, and we talk about the the volatility of ADP. Minimum of 18, max of 106. It's like yeah. there's this massive range with him, uh, and. When you look at when you look at Mondesi, I to this point he's just Mister September because September seems to be the only month he cares about. Uh, his his last four plays. Septembers, <laughs> fourteen steals, twelve steals, sixteen steals, fourteen steals. That's insane. So he only had fifteen stolen bases all last year, and fourteen of them came in September. Uh, so it's like if he could put September in a bottle and then carry that over even to two more months of the season, he could earn that eighteen. But you guys and. and you get back into that you've been you've been burned by him before you can't be burned by him again well if if you've done that you've been burned by him a couple of times and yet both of you guys have him at four uh justin starting with you with mondesi you know why are you why are you still here with him despite (laughs) the the the, what he has done to i i I know you had him at least on one of your 58 teams last year i I had him Uh, on a few um yeah i had him i had him in uh in town you could probably hear the anger and angst in my voice just discussing him because i i took that chance and it's like never again And, and it's like it's gonna be that guy that i walk away from who finally puts it all together and yeah, at some point there's got to be a price that you jump back in on a guy like this. I'm not going to be the guy taking him at 18, uh, but at the same point, in one league he's fallen out of the top 100 when this guy was a, an absolute lock for a top 20 pick last year. Yeah, I, I think if he ends up outside of the top three to four rounds, that's what I'm I'm looking to strike on Mondesi, and it's I mean it's it's purely an upside play. Like it's I mean. Um, and I think my brain tells me, no, don't do it. And my heart goes, oh my God, look at all those steals. But to, <laughs> to your point, um, I, I just put, pulled up his career month by month splits, uh, and they're insane. I mean, not, not just in the stolen base department, but they are insane. I mean, 58 stolen bases in the month of September over his career, 
Uh, the next highest is 23 in August, and then you have, you know, 13, 13, 10, 11, you know, from April. He's not much for those earlier months. Yeah, no, he really isn't. It, but the power, too, uh, you know, of, of his home runs, he has 19 September home runs, mm -hmm. and he doesn't have a double-digit month in the, you know, for his career. Uh, other than other than September, so well, yeah, because he almost has double the plate appearances yeah. in September, four forty six than any other month. Next highest is August at two seventy for Mondesi. I mean, he's insane, right? For me, I go into the draft already planning to want to take him, and then building around that. And I know some of the allure of Mondesi is to take him and then not, you, you know, you if, have if to you, back him up. Yeah, if you could plan, like ideally. You take him, and then you're not worrying so much about steals. I think you have to go the other way, though. If you want to take him, you have to make sure you have your steals supplemented. And mm -hmm. I don't think that's necessarily a problem that that creates this uh, this untenable team. Yes, if he has that full season, you might find yourself with a bit of a surplus. Uh, but there's just not really any likelihood, or, or there's not a high likelihood of that for Mondesi. So I don't think you need to plan for that. So you go in, and you just make sure you have a few other steals, guys. They don't have to be all speed. You don't have to take Miles Straw as well. But don't give up on speed after you take Mondesi. Just keep getting those contributions from multiple guys. And I think you can sustain him even if he doesn't end up playing for you a ton. So that's why I'm still open to taking Mondesi. It's just a it's a game plan situation that I kind of make up and before see, I, I go I'm in. the exact opposite, actually. Like, the only way I'm going to end up with Mondesi this year is if he falls into my lap at just an unreal price. Um, and I want to make sure I've already got that foundation set, um, but, like, it's not going to be in the plan going into a draft for me. Uh, just because there is only one Mondesi-like player, and so well, and, there's, no, there's two. Byron Buxton is the same thing, but he doesn't have the stolen. I don't think he has. Well, I guess he does have the stolen base. Yeah, absolutely. He has. Yeah. He has the upside to do it too. It's just a matter of if they if they let Buxton run. But he's the same type of player that I think you need to plan for. And if you, if you choose not to, again, you know, drafting there, is all like, about preference. No way I'm going to draft Buxton at his price this year. And I think a lot of people feel that way. And I don't necessarily um, – uh, I, I don't think that's out of pocket to say that. I don't fully agree, though. I'm I'm open to taking either of them in a situation where I know I'm planning for it. And like, okay, here's the Buxton approach, and I'm, I'm supplementing my speed here. Or here's the Mondesi approach where I'll have these sort of base stealers. You're saying, you know what, if he falls in my lap, then I'll, I'll adjust on the fly. I like to come in a bit more calculated if I'm going to take one of those guys. It's going to be interesting to track and see where things are going because, mm -hmm. you know, so many have been, just been torched, but yet there he goes, 18. Uh, moving over to somebody, moving over to Colorado, we've got Ryan McMahon, and there's only a three-spot difference between, Paul, you have him at 12, Justin, you have him at 15. His 2021 season looked a lot like his 2019 season, almost to a decimal point on mm -hmm. everything. It was the same type of thing. Uh, Paul, the question I would ask you is like, are you just a little bit higher because of the news that he could possibly get some shortstop eligibility this year? I mean, yes, that that plays a role uh, in that. I just don't think he's going to sit. I think it's so stupid that he would play shortstop. Like what a remarkably dumb decision um, from the place that just loves to make remarkably dumb decisions. What they lead the league in. Exactly. <laughs> but it also gives me that confidence of his playing time, yes. And I did look, and I, I saw that not 21 and 19 are pretty similar. 
So that's the projection. That's what I'm banking, and then I'm going from there. Do I wish he could spike a big batting average season because he plays in Colorado and and maybe approach 30 homers with 90 plus tributes? Like that's the upside, right? If you can get, you could possibly get a 275, 30, 100 out of Ryan McMahon. You can't plan for it. You got to pay for the 260, 20, and 70 uh, with a few chip in steals as well. But I do like the fact that he's guaranteed, and he's 27. That's kind of their favorite age. That's a prospect for them. He's, he's like a premier prospect, which means he'll play a ton. Actual prospects don't play. But once you hit 27, you're guaranteed uh, <laughs> 650 plate It's year 27 breakout, right? Oh, yeah, age 27 breakout for sure, dude. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, we don't have a huge split here, so it's not some big battle. It, but it's I just a like less it. of a split. I've actually just moved him up a couple spots oh, okay. so we're, we're even we're even closer yeah i i just think he plays every day it's colorado and you take what you can get the the 2019 or 2021 you take that all day but you know that there's upside because it's colorado and volatility can work your way to where you get a crazy season out of him perhaps still and yeah. justin why are you bumping him up just because i i kind of agree that it's it seems pretty likely you're gonna get like a 23 or 24 and 5 season from him with uh you know his 250 batting average but i also think that there is the potential for him to spike a 30 bomb season and you know being in colorado you can always get babbit luck that that you know inflates your average and so i i think i was having him below donaldson and chapman uh especially chapman cut you know looking so bad last year and having the multi-position eligibility still, even before potentially getting shortstop eligibility, he's still second base and third base eligible, which is two really good spots for him to be eligible at. So I'm, I'm toying with the idea of actually moving him up to 13. Um, but right now he's sitting, sitting at 14 in my ranks. All right, well, let's transition over to another multi-eligible uh, guy with shortstop eligibility and 30 home run. Uh, and that would be Eugenio Suarez. Uh, who hit 31 home runs, uh, who also seemingly hit a buck 31 last year. Uh, but we're looking at... He got that high? He got that high uh, up? Yeah, he, I, think, uh, I think a hot streak in September got him there. Okay, uh, okay But nice. you know, we, at the end of the season, you know, and, and Cincinnati obviously has a lot going on. We don't know who is going to be on this roster with their, their announcement that they basically are, are moving forward for the, the next five-year plan rather than their current but Suarez has still got uh, a 22, a 23, a 24, and a club option of 25. So he's either tradable or he's going to be the last man standing here uh, <laughs> on this. But we're looking at a year and a half worth of just bad batting average, uh, despite this, you know, the strikeouts have gone up a little bit. And you have to wonder how much the we're going to play you a shortstop got into his head. Uh, which could explain some of 2021, but it, uh, anybody who had him on their roster last year, it just seemed like you're always waiting for, okay, start hitting. The batting average has got to come up. It's got to come up. And it just has not. Yep. Uh, as far as where you guys, uh, where you guys have them, you don't really have much of a split. I mean, Paul, you've got him at 19 and Justin, you have him at 22. So Justin, going to you on this, why are you a little bit lower on Suarez? I mean, fool me once, shame on, you know, uh, shame on you. Fool me seven times, shame on me. Uh, you know, the September is really enticing. I'm not yeah. going to lie. I'm uh, definitely going to reference it. 
because he hit 370. He actually had more hits in the month of September than he did in July and August combined. In the rest of the year. Oh, yeah. right. Wow. <laughs> See, I was Not just making quite. a September joke. I didn't even realize the September Yeah, no, he, he actually did <laughs> pop up. I, I, and I was making a joke, too, and it turns out he did have an elite September. Yeah, he, 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 was, he was unreal. Uh, and, I mean, what he did was he said, why do I not lift everything? Um, he, he had a 54 fly ball percentage, um, smacked the piss out of the ball. Uh, there's, I mean, obviously some, you know, some scary parts about his profile and just how bad his batting average was. Uh, but I mean, in the months of month of September, he stopped swinging outside the zone. He made an 88% zone contact percentage, which is fantastic for a guy with his kind of power. So, I mean, is there a chance that, hey, September's indicative of the fact that he's back and he could go back to being a you know mid to high 30s homer guy with you know a 260 270 batting average absolutely I'm, i i do not want to pay for that um you don't Why? have to right now yeah it's not it's not expensive though it's, so it's pick 207 he's, he's got to move up in my point. ranks but just scares the crap out of, i had him in so many leagues last year i'm i am just feeling absolutely burnt by Eugenio Suarez and I, I get that. I mean, he still hit 30 homers for you. The 198 really difficult to uh, uh, to take on, but 79 ribbies, 79 runs. Like, yeah, but I'm not, you didn't I'm get not. most of those home runs is the problem because a lot of those home runs came after teams dropped them. Like, you didn't get those eight September home runs with that 370 batting average. That oh, was either yes, on did. the waiver wire or on somebody else's team. Not if you drafted um, them. Yes, I did actually. No, I, I I'm talking from my actual experience. In some leagues, I agree. We play deeper leagues, so ten team league, obviously, no shot. Uh, he was probably on his fifth team by the time that September came around for A. Eugenio Suarez. Twelve teams, similar situation, but fifteens and NLs. I think uh, I think people were still having him. Uh, I dropped still... I dropped him in both my main events in July. Hey, good good decision there. <laughs> Um, I'm, no, that sounded so much. Yeah, sarc- so much it, more no, it was. It was a good decision. It was at the time. Cutting bait was the right move. Like he yeah. was a guy that you had to cut bait on. But I tell you what, bottom line is he was still the 21st third baseman based on that final run there. And just because it wasn't on the drafted team doesn't mean that the September doesn't count. And no, he's not going to be putting up a 370 with a 432 BABIP uh, every month. At that price, pick 200, anything after 200, as long as his ADP starts with a two, I'm completely in here, though. In a disastrous season, he went 30-80 when everything went wrong. You look at the BABIPs from uh, – we'll just go from 2020 on. We'll just combine it. It's uh, 805 plate appearances of a 221 BABIP, and he still has a 90 WRC+. plus. He wasn't some big BABIP dude in his big years, but how often do we look at a BABIP that is uh, – Way better than this, and we talk about the bad luck that goes with it. I think we need to give him some some leeway here on this BABIP and say he can certainly improve the 221 BABIP. And even if he doesn't get all the way back to his 300s, put it in the high 200s. That gets his average to 240s. And 240 with 30-plus homers, I'm taking that all day. I like Eugenio Suarez quite a bit on the bounce back. This is a buy low. This is what it actually looks like. It's stinky. There's not much in the profile. You know, the the obvious, like people calling Aaron Nola about buy low because he had a 436 ERA. No, that's not. 
the market's fully in on him and he's so obvious to come back. I know that's a pitcher, but this is a true buy low. It's ugly. There aren't a lot of things except the track record from before 2020 to go off of. But the power's still there. I'm taking a Eugenio Suarez. I think I might have him in a lot of leagues, though, because I think more people are on Justin's feeling of it of like, ugh, I'm kind of over this. Yeah, and I would say a couple of points that I would have on him. His highest pick so far in ADP is still lower than Anthony Rendon's lowest. And it's like if you want to at the price, like Anthony Rendon's um, ADP is 112 with a low of 154. Suarez is 208 with a high of 156. Uh, wow. When you look at last year, you talked about the 79 RBIs. This is what really sucked about having him last year on a roster. The guys in front of him had OBPs of 376 and in Jonathan India, 394 and in Winker, and then Votto and in 375. Yep. And That's he still only drove in 79 with well, the, all of that in front I, of him. That's what I see so it the other way. That's how he drove in 79. I get what you're saying. But that's how he still drove in 79 despite being dreadful. Oh, his XRBI match. could have been 130. Uh, that's Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, you take his 2019 with those OBPs when he went 49-103, and it would have been 49-123, like for sure. I totally agree with you there. But I think that they were able to salvage him. The same three guys are still ahead of him as well. I just, you know, I just can't see – how he would fall off a cliff here and and have no chance at a rebound, I'm willing to pay for it. Worst case is I get saddled with another bad batting average with the power, and at least I know to prepare for that for Eugenio Suarez. But uh, a double eligibility, too, with the shortstop third base, there's a lot to like in this profile, Jesus, uh, I, at least in terms of the cost versus potential upside. Sometimes I hate you guys. Like, I'm <laughs> now moving him up. As you, because I agree with everything you guys are saying. This is why I hate you guys at this moment. I've now moved <laughs> Eugenio guys. Suarez up to fifteenth in my ranks. Yes, this thing, and it's more, we're not, you know, as a whole, you know, listeners, we're not trying to be right. We're just trying to make you think. And if we can exactly. challenge your own, you know, challenge your own beliefs, just like we just challenged Justin's, so we're like, oh wait a second, maybe I should move him higher. Yeah, uh, that's that's the goal. Uh, with joined everything. you in a move up, by the way. We we jointly moved him up because now I'm looking and I'm like, how is he any different than Matt Chapman? Well, and uh, we know he's healthy at least right now. Like, and I I have real concerns about Matt Chapman's health, and that understandably I mean, moving him a, ahead of Chapman and Donaldson is largely due to who do I think ha, is going to play 600 plate appearances this season. Um, yeah, because they're pretty. Uh, there's the transition. Let's transition to the health of Josh Donaldson because Let's. you know if if we look at if we look at hitting, you know we know what Josh Donaldson can do uh, at the plate, but what we don't know is how often he's going to come to the plate. Uh, you know when we're looking at over the last three full seasons, he has one uh, under his belt. Uh, he's had injuries in in the other in the other two. So when he's at the plate, he's drawing his walks. You know uh, he's trying to elevate everything. But the old man skills are starting to creep in uh, there. And he's he's in Minnesota uh, with the, the same lineup he enjoyed uh, last year um, with there. But this is now a this will be a second full season in Minnesota. Paul, you have him on the the edge of your top 20, uh, 20. Justin, you had him at 16 as we started recording uh, here. But Paul, starting with you, what are your thoughts uh, on putting Donaldson where you did? I mean, you have him right behind uh Suarez you have them two spots behind Escobar and then the dual eligibility of uh Gio Rochelle at 17 but then uh, a guy that I often see him Donaldson paired with is Justin Turner at 16 it's like mm -hmm. you know talk about where why you have Donaldson where you do 
Yeah, you know, so it is the, the health concerns. And listen, Josh Donaldson reads my work. Thank you so much, JD. I appreciate it. Tweeting <laughs> oh, yeah. out about my stuff. You know, that's that's awesome, dude. So you're probably listening right now if your name appears in the uh, in the post. Love what you can do. I do think jokes aside, though. When he plays, he's going to be solid, right? 247, 26, 72 last year. Nobody's upset with that. He was a 124 WRC plus, still getting on base. That team did not play well uh, overall, and he still wound up with 72 ribbies, 73 runs. And I think that's partly, you know, he wasn't uh, uh, off the charts in terms of his play. And they weren't either. Like, they weren't setting him up super well. Obviously, Polanco had a great year, but the, the great years were few and far between. I think that lineup could come back. This is a team that could rise uh, quite a bit if they find any pitching. They were 73 and 89. Uh, I'm not going to say they could reverse that that record, but because uh, I, I just don't know that there's that much pitching there. But the lineup could go back to being a force. I think the lineup just had an off year more than I think it's uh, down and out type of deal. And so I think there'll be opportunities for him to kind of be this guy that he's been. But based on the guys I have around him, his injury considerations at age 36 – I think he belongs close to a Justin Turner. I think I have him three spots away from him. Eduardo Escobar is creeping up there. It's those guys that have those kind of built-in age concerns that mm -hmm. I had to push down a little bit, even though I like Josh Donaldson. I just wound up with him at 20 because uh, he's in that that cluster of similar old guys who you can expect a lot of, out of uh, when they play, but you just don't know how much they play. So I wound up with him just a bit lower than Justin because he's age 36. Yeah, I mean, he's moved down to 17 for me because other guys have now jumped over him in McMahon and Suarez. And I agree with everything he said. I mean, like, if if you could turn off injuries, especially for that calf muscle that seems yes. to always... Oh, it, it's like a reoccurring thing, which is the scary part because it's like, it just doesn't seem like it's ever going to get healthy at this point. Uh, especially at this age, yeah. Yeah, it's 36. Um, you know, it just... No, keep keep going with that through line you had. If you could turn off injuries, where, where would you put him? If if I if I gave you a six, which surprisingly Steamer gives him a six hundred plate appearance projection uh, for one hundred and thirty eight games. So I'll I'll push higher. If he got back to the six fifty nine that he had in twenty nineteen for Josh Donaldson, he's top what, ten. What, then I mean, I I, I kind of think so too because I think he could put up the Atlanta season again. And and then you you have to like I mean. We're assuming this this fictional scenario that everybody else doesn't get injuries turned off too. So like, then he's yeah, safer yeah. He, than he gets the magic Chris power Bryant. He's safer and everybody than else has Anthony their Rendon. Um, you know, you could arguably put him up in the top seven or eight third baseman, but unfortunately uh, for for uh, for Josh, our good buddy Josh, uh, that uh, you can't turn those injuries off and. Um, I've gotten him in a bunch of leagues already. Uh, I think the name just lingers out there, and you keep seeing this big name, Josh drops. Donaldson. I yes. yeah, and so I've, I've, I've dealt with the same phenomenon in the few drafts I've already done. He will be somebody who just stays on top of your board for a while, mm -hmm. and you're like, I'm just gonna pull the trigger here because it's not an expensive price. He's right around Suarez at at pick two eighteen on average, and he can go even later than that. You know, when he starts dipping in the two fifties. I start to look at Josh Donaldson pretty heavily. I think he slots in very nicely as a CI. Yeah, I, I do too. I think, uh, especially when you're drafting olds where you're going to draft other players at the position, you don't have to uh, worry necessarily about, like every, you know, not everybody's going to stay healthy on your team. Uh, mm -hmm. Donaldson, you know, he because he's so old and the fantasy community is ages to begin with, He's all, there's <laughs> going to be leagues in which he just – 
you know, drops and drops and drops. His his max pick right now is 292 in draft champions leagues. Ooh. Wow. Well, let's stick with ageism. Uh and and uh, let's flip the script and go from we know what the guy's gonna give us to we have no idea what the guy's gonna give us. Uh and we're talking about the 30-year-old Patrick Wisdom. Uh Patrick Wisdom, you know, was had four career home runs coming into the season and then hits 28 out of nowhere uh, and didn't even play full time to get 28. Does it in 375 yeah. plate appearances? Didn't play full time uh, till the second half till they started trading yep. everybody off. Uh had a uh you know, played because Chicago had nobody else, as Paul just mentioned, uh, and did all this with a 41% strikeout rate. Just amazing just uh, for what he was able to do. Uh, the good news is Chicago is still going to be a terrible club, uh, and Wisdom should be able to play until he until he shows that he can uh, he can't hit major league pitching uh, regularly, or the Cubs find something else to come up. Obviously, at the age. There's some concern uh, with you know how long this is going to keep up, but you know, Paul, you have them at 22. You're there. This is the biggest split of the top 25. This is the biggest split between you all. You mm-hmm. have them at 22, and Justin, you have them at 30. Uh, Justin, did I say any? Did I leave out anything on uh, as as I was dumping on Patrick Wisdom there that led you to rank him much lower than Paul did? Um, no, I think I mean, yeah. 19% swing strike rate, swung, swung outside of the zone 33% of the time. Zone contact is like 71.7%. And for context, league average is about 84%. Um, I just, and I, I don't know what the Cubs are doing. Like, I, I just they don't. They don't either. Like, and that's the hard part. Like, are they going to bring in someone that blocks him? Um, I mean, I doubt it. Well, but. I didn't think they'd sign Marcus Stroman to a long-term deal. Or like, I don't know. I don't. There, there's talk that Chris Bryant could end up back there. Well, the the, the thing of it is, though, is he's got four spots. Are they going to fill all four spots, all four cor- five? If we if we are operating under the DH, so until that's proven, this the just other way. feels so much like Chris Carter. Oh man, I loved I some Chris that. Carter back in the day, though. Yeah, but I remember too. how he like led the league and then he was out. Like, I, I get what what Justin's saying about that. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. I think I need to see, I need to see the block before I'm going to uh, worry about its implementation, because I, I just I like this uh, I like this power here. I think you can plan for it, even with the flaws, right? Like yeah, the 41 percent that's that's hideous uh, with the strikeout rate. He still managed a 231 average though because he hit the ball so hard mm-hmm. that uh, he kind of he kind of hit through it. Now, I don't think a 41% is manageable over the course of a full season. Like, there will need to be some measure of improvement. Like, uh, you know, we talk about Miguel Sano, and he was a guy that I was always kind of short on bringing him up the rankings because of his persistently high and obscenely high strikeout rates. Like, he's a career 37% guy. But he's a career 37% guy, right? So it's not it's not too far away from wisdom to get there and just be a Miguel Sano who we've seen put up quality seasons. So I'm kind of willing to bet on it. I think he's going to get the playing time unless I see something where they actually block off the four corners. It's interesting now because their infield corners are a couple of crusty dudes that they just randomly found in Frank Schwindel and Patrick Wisdom. I don't think they should block either of them, though, because you should let those guys play. Even though they're both 30 and they're probably not part of their next you know, dynasty down the line, if they think it's more of a retool than a rebuild, which they've said, even though I don't necessarily agree because they did kind of tear it down and 
who do you really like from this team to be there uh, when they're good again? But if they are trying to like not go all the way to the bottom and stay, uh, turn it around in relative short order, I think three 30-year-olds could be instrumental in Wisdom, Schwindel, and Rafael Ortega, three guys they found last year out of nowhere that uh, that could be a little something for them. So basically, I'd take the same home run count over a full season with more of like a, a 225 average. Uh, I just need that strikeout rate under 40% for Patrick so you're, Wisdom. You're pretty much just buying what Steamer's putting out there. Exactly. I just think I, I, I'm fine with the projection. There's a, a lot of similar guys around him uh, with the Josh Donaldson, uh, Eduardo Escobar, Matt Chapman, Kyle Seeger. Like, I, I love Kyle Seeger. He's like one of my favorite players just to kind of root for. I love how good he was in Seattle. I think they railroaded him out of there for no real reason. Uh, they couldn't even call him, I believe, is what I heard to, uh, to tell him they weren't going to tender him with that uh, option that they had. I would take the guy that's like six years younger for sure between those two, even though they, they give off the same thing. No average high power will give me the guy who's uh, who's 30 versus the guy who's 34. Uh, pardon me. It's only four years difference, but I would just rather take, I would just rather take wisdom. So this is not a backflip promotion of him, but the price is there. The market's already wise to him with a 310 OB, uh, uh, a 310 ADP. So all the flaws are completely baked in. The market does not believe him. So I think it's ripe to uh, to go ahead and buy in. I'm and I would add this. Up. There's nothing There's nothing at first or third base uh, on the precipice of the majors that can chase these guys uh, off, the, off these positions. They could yeah, fail. I, Honestly, they could fail this entire season because that's what the Cubs' plan is. It's not to – I mean, they're not playing to contend this year. Uh, and if there's more, if there's more juice to squeeze, then there's more juice to squeeze there. But there's, if, if there's going to be a replacement, they're going to have to go find one because there's nobody coming up at first or third for that club right now. Yeah, I moved him up a few spots. I'm still not nearly as high as, as Paul, but uh, I moved him up to 27. Uh, had him leapfrog Mustakis and, and Hunter Dozier because uh, they suck. So, um... <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing too, right? Like. He's 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 them like they're all kind of the same, but wisdom doesn't have like the health concerns of a moose mm-hmm. or uh, I don't think he well, he does. He has a better park than Dozier, too. That's a soft factor. But like I'd rather have the guy that profile in Wrigley over that profile in Kaufman, even if Dozier is is a better bet for like a few chip in steals. I will take the raw power o- over that. So I agree with moving him over those two guys there with Patrick yeah. Wisdom. Let's. uh Look at the next guy that has the biggest split. When I'm looking at the the Google Doc, we have Joey Wendell, uh, now Miami Marlin, who Paul has slightly slightly different profile, by the way, than Patrick Wisdom. Just a little just a bit, but they're about the same age. That's the thing. Joey Wendell's actually just a little bit older, but uh, you know, just you have him at 39, Paul, you have him at 26. So there's a 13 point split. I'm going to withhold my comments until both you guys talk, because obviously I know um, I've been closer to this guy, Mm -hmm. uh, but I want to hear what you guys have to say. And so, uh, Justin, I want to start with you, since you have him much lower than Paul. Uh, Talk to us about your 39 ranking for Wendell. Yeah, I mean, this has to do with the trade. Uh, I really, really hate this trade for for Wendell. I I worry that he's going to be a reserve player for them, um, that the the Rays were so good at being or at kind of utilizing him in a number of different spots. I don't necessarily trust the Marlins to do the same. And uh, Steamer's projection uh, is kind of in line with what I'm thinking, which is 335 plate appearances 
six home runs, seven stolen bases. I, I worry that he's just not going to give you very much in terms of number production. So, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, I had him uh, quite a bit higher prior to the trade, and, and uh, it's weird for me to say a guy moving away from the Rays. Yeah, you know, uh, but that, that, that's the interesting part to me, right, is that, that you're – you're less interested now that he's moved off the Rays to the Marlins. I, I don't see those same playing time concerns, and I'm I'm, I'm surprised that uh, that that Steamer does. They haven't played half a season. And roster resource has him outside of the starting lineup. Yeah, and he's like, I, I just I just don't really see it like that. Um, I think, you know, he could platoon with with like Brian Anderson, so he'd be on the strong side. I think he can get some playing time at second and short over the course of the year. I think he plays sort of everywhere. He is a super util type guy. He's boring as can be. Like nothing, even with a 500 plate appearance season, which is pretty much exactly what he had this past year, 501. He went 11 and eight with a 265. Glue guy as hell. You know, one of those guys that is a great uh, um, uh, injury fill-in, maybe like a a, a team reserve that you have that can qualify at multiple spots to fill in if you have some volatility at the positions he's eligible in. Is he multi-eligible in – He's third and short. Third and short, and he's second base in a – if you have uh, 15-game eligibility, he also has second. Perfect, and then gets corner and middle. I, I just don't see him that that blocked on this on this ball club here. I, I've always been like a Brian Anderson fan, but that doesn't give me delusions of of the fact that like he's some superstar. He hasn't played more than 126 games since 2018, his only full season. I think even Jazz, um, not that he is is uh, going to be sitting on the bench a ton if he's like healthy and everything, but he has issues too. Like I think there's issues in that profile a bit that could lead to some volatility. Miguel Rojas is is right-handed as well. He's a stalwart at short. He's going to play a ton, but also if you bring in the DH. That can also create more opportunities. So I see the a bigger playing time uh, boost there. I only have him 26, so we're still talking pretty low, pretty much uh, our 25th. Uh, we're still talking um, reserve type guy, but I think he gets pretty much back to what he did in 2021 there, and that's why I have him up there at, at 20. When I say 25, no, it's 26. You have 26. I mean, I'll yeah, say this like about him. him. I'll say this about him. You know, the club got as much as they could out of the guy that they traded essentially for Jonah Heim. That was the yeah. deal. It was it was Wendell for a player to be named later. They sent Jonah Heim to Oakland. Uh, and what you could count on for Wendell is that he was going to steal eight bases or a multiple of eight because he's gone 16, eight, eight, and eight uh, over the past. <laughs> With very little playing time, too. Right. Uh, and I think and that's the thing about him uh, is I too much playing time is not good for him. Uh, and this is just my very subjective uh, review of him. But he is a guy that has to give max effort to get the most out of his abilities. And mm-hmm. that and that's something that's basic is, is his throwing. Like when he had to play the left side of the infield, when they first gave him the opportunity in 18, his throws were barely making it across. Uh, and so like he worked on a throwing program to get his arm strength back up. And, and now he can play. He can play that. But he's got to give max effort into his body. And I was always worried about. Yeah, uh, he was a fan favorite and everything around uh, around Tampa Bay. But like when he was going to fall off, it was going to be quick because he's had to like kind of like Dustin Pedroia has, you know, give max effort uh, to get the most out of your abilities with him. And last year, like he he had to play a lot last year. And as the season wore on, he wore down uh, and he doesn't hit lefties very well at all. Um, 
for his career, if you if you get into a two strike count, the entire league knows to throw him a back foot slider. He cannot lay off it and he can't hit it either. Um, and that's really the scouting report against him. So like to me, I'm fine if he can stay under uh, under 500 plate appearances. I just don't think he's that guy. If he gets to over 500 PA, it's because he's playing against lefties too much, and that's going to pull down his average, mm-hmm. or it's going to wear down. I mean, go look at how, how his numbers trended in the second half. It wasn't pretty to watch, uh, but that's where that's where things were for him. So if he can play a little bit here, a little bit there, um, you know, it's, take some time for Miguel Rojas at shortstop, uh, take give uh, Jazz Chisholm a day off, uh, play some spots in the outfield, you know, defensive replacement. Uh, type of thing, different situation. He can move move himself around, but if he's playing 500 plate appearances, uh, I think it's going to be at a detriment to his uh, to his average. So, you know, his mixed league viability, I don't think he's anything more than an end game pick this year. And when you guys have him at the 20, you know, outside of the top 25, it's completely fair. Uh, you know, sometimes you see these trade scenarios. It's like, oh, it's a better situation. Uh, you know, it, it may be in real terms. He's He's one of these guys to me. He's a better real baseball player than a fantasy guy. No doubt. Uh, and he's going to, to me, I think he's going to fade off quick and that's going to start this year. And, 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 and it damn well may. Um, I just think 39 is way too low for somebody who's, who's shown the the ability that he has. Yeah. I've moved Fair him enough. up to 37, but he's not coming up much higher than that for me. All right. Let's jump over to some youth and look at Josh. It's Josh Young, right? I always, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes. great. Let's look at Josh Young because Josh Young uh, you guys have um, – he's inside of your top 30 for both of you. Uh, Paul, you have your low at 30. Uh, Justin's the higher guy at 23. So, Paul, talk about why he made it into your top 30 over Justin's favorite, Carter Keboom. Uh, <laughs> and then the aforementioned Brian Anderson, who at 33. So we've got – you know at least Anderson's got the, the track record that Young lacks. But you sure. have Young in your top 30. Talk about it. Yeah, like I said, I actually love B.A. Uh, he's a guy I definitely will have on some some reserve rosters this year because his price is going to be super cheap. Uh, but with Josh Young, you know, I like him. I do. But I don't know. If, if, is he going to play five months this year? I, I think that you can map out a scenario where he does. He played 35 games in AAA. He was excellent. It was a two-level season for him at double and AAA. Only, 77, uh, only 78 games because he was coming back from a foot injury. But he raked at both levels. He's been amazing in the minors for sure, but I just don't know that he's necessarily going to be a a five month guy. I think he could end up with more closer to two months in AAA. Kind of really get set there at age 24. Texas has no urgency to bring him up, so I just played it a little bit more cautiously with the rookie who doesn't really have a, an obvious reason to be called up. They have Isaiah Kiner Falefa, who's not better than Josh Young, but they do like him. Defense is kind of his calling card, so they'll be getting quality play. Uh, second and shorter, obviously covered with their two new guys. So. I just don't know that he's necessarily going to be there up up enough to to be the 23rd guy. So I played it a little bit more cautiously at 30 with Young. Once up, I'm going to be rapidly interested in him. But as far as the draft goes, I'm not trying to hold a guy for two months. And since these are NFBC drafts that we're looking at and our main focus uh, for the winter especially, uh, I have to take that into consideration that it could be a dead spot for upwards of, of six to eight weeks. Fair enough. Justin, uh, with you being with the, you having him the top 25, despite him projected open in the season in the minor leagues. And there's really, uh, you know, Paul laid out the facts about, 
you know, Kiner Falefa, despite his offensive limitations, the club still loves his defense, and they got to play that somewhere right now. And right now they have a projected to hit to play third base, but hit ninth in the lineup. So we know offensively, yeah, there's a, an opportunity for Young to come up. But why are you uh, this aggressive with your rankings compared I, to Paul? I think they're going to be aggressive with him. Uh, I, I think he's going to be one of those guys that's called up after – whatever the CBA puts as like the, the benchmark for minor leagues coming up. So if, if it stays similar, you know, end of April, early May. And kind of Falefa doesn't play then. I think kind of Falefa turns into catcher. kind of like a super utility guy. Kind yeah. of a Joey Wendell. It's probably where he should be. If we're being honest, mm-hmm. Let's, you know, he's, he's not a great player in my opinion. Yeah. He's a solid, solid real life player to have on a roster. And but, you almost uh, wonder, too, with the look of what their outfield is right now, like, does he end up in the outfield, maybe? Uh, Kiner Falefa or Young? Kiner Falefa. Okay. Uh, Young profiles as, like, a, you know, at least a league average, if not maybe yeah. a little bit better defender uh, at third, third base. base. So I, 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 w- I won't be surprised if, yeah, if, if Falefa turns into a super utility guy. Um and I just, I mean, I think that there is a ton of upside here. A, a guy who has got a pretty decent hit tool, uh, has showed it off in the minor leagues so far, uh, and uh, some real raw power in that bat, 30 home run bat. Like, I think this could be like an Austin Riley type player at some point. I'm not saying in, in that, That's in the thing, though. I don't think it'll be there in 2022. That's yeah. why I'm a, a, a bit I'm more moving down in it. a couple spots just because other guys jumped over him. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I've got him at 25 right now and that, that, that feels fair. Obviously you have to, you know, take your own league context into play here because he's likely not up for the first month of the season and potentially longer. But if you're in like Yahoo leagues where you've got that NA slot or, um, in draft and holds where you can, you know, make sure that you're covered for the first month, uh, month or two of the season, I think he's one of those guys that will be a part of that uh, Fabapalooza that always happens, yeah. you know, in in May or in June when a bunch of guys come up at once, and he's going to be the one that most people want to target. So if you're in deeper formats where you can stash a prospect, uh, Jung's one of those guys that I'm looking to do that with. So yeah, I want to bring it full circle because you mentioned something there, uh, you know, with Austin Riley. You know, Austin Riley, the bat wasn't the question when he first came up is where was he going to play? And the Braves moved him to left field for a bit uh, yeah. and then eventually moved him over to third base. And you take a look at that Texas depth chart. And right now, left field is Nick Solak. Nick Solak is not an everyday player. Nick oh, Solak we've, talk, we've talked about him. Platoon guy. Right. And so <laughs> yeah, we bagged you know, on you're looking boy. in a spot for young. And so when I was looking at this, Justin, I thought that was going to be a spot where you were talking. It's like there's an opportunity for him if if they, if he comes to camp. And they're like, hey, we're going to give him, like, you see him time, you see some beat writer talking about him getting some time in the outfield, or you see him working, or he's in the lineup, like, you could see his him getting some instant helium, because if they're giving him time in the outfield, and left field, you know, if you're going to play an outfield spot, left field's the one to play, uh, and if he has the opportunity to do that, that could accelerate his timetable to the major leagues, because, you know, he could do it at third base, and they move kind of fillet to the, the Swiss Army knife role, or... They tell Solak, you know, you are our short side platoon guy. We're going to move you around, and we want this kid to come up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know, we'll see where Josh Young is when he comes up. And if we get any sort of clarity as the uh, as the offseason goes and into spring training, that'd be nice, too. That would certainly be open to moving Young up if we got some, like, 
uh, hints at, at a faster track where he could even be up maybe after the very first period, which is more of a 10 to 14 day for that for that first run of, of prospects coming up. So, yeah, I'll, I'll keep a close eye on him for sure. But uh, right now, playing a little cautiously with Josh Young at 30th. Yeah, for the sake of time, want to do uh, one more guy and then a couple of quick hits. But Hunter Dozier, uh, some for some reason, Hunter Dozier, like right now, uh, Paul, you have him at 35. Justin, you had him at 26. Uh, we're talking a little bit off air. It's like when you look at the body of work for Hunter Dozier, it's for some reason, he's got some market value right now. And maybe the three of us are overlooking it. Uh, but, you know, Hunter Dozier has got some already, uh, ADP. And so I will, you know, Justin, go to you since you're the higher ranking of the two. Why are people, why is Hunter Dozier getting some attention this offseason um, at this position? Maybe it's because he qualifies at multiple positions, but why is he getting attention this winter? It's because the way he finished the season. Uh, you know, in September, he had six home runs, hit 272, was finally healthy, and kind of showed what he had shown earlier on in his career before you know getting COVID in 2020 uh and and kind of struggling you know the question is can he put it together for a full season because we really haven't seen him do it um Mm I you know I'm I want to believe and this is my (laughs) my rank reflects that I I want to see your desired belief yeah my desired belief is like I think the talent is in there it's just a matter can he stay on the field the entire season uh you know he's got the contract uh you know that runs through 2024 with the team so i think they're gonna give him every opportunity to play every day whether it you know be it, it you know first or right field or third uh or left field i mean he's played all over which you know is great for the multi-position eligibility um he's eligible at third and outfield in leagues with 20 games, but he had 19 games at first. So uh, he'll, you know, in your Yahoo leagues or leagues so with close. 15 games, uh, you know, he, he gets first too. Um, he's just such a hard guy to project. He really is uh, because we just don't know what we're going to see in terms of overall plate appearances. But uh, I felt like I, I, he has dropped a few spots just because other guys jumped over him. Uh, but uh, I like him. Does your tinfoil hat have a KC logo on it? I just have to ask. It, it does. You want to believe. All right, uh, Paul, any other thoughts on on Dozier? No, I mean, he kind of covered it. I'm just not super keen on, on Hunter Dozier. Uh, I got issues with the fact that it's never really fully come together outside of the 2019 season, which is the rabbit ball year. I've always liked him as somebody who has a little bit of extra speed, too. Hunter Dozier does that uh, if they tapped into it a little bit more, he could even be a double-digit spike uh, at some point. But I don't know. I just look at the bottom line. I see essentially league average, 98 OPS plus, propped up by the 2019. That's why I come out a bit low on him. Understood. Uh, it's like for me, it's like, yeah, he's a former eighth overall pick. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Kansas City is clearly they're committed to him. Uh, but. It's like, yeah, you look at 2019, you're like, he did it once. And yeah, if he did it once, possibly he can do it again. Uh, But yeah, it's overall, we're still looking at a below average body of work. I mean, uh, final question I would have uh, for you, Paul, like who's somebody outside of your top 30 that you look at it and go like, you know what, maybe it wouldn't surprise me if this guy finishes inside the top 30. But so let's look at somebody you have ranked 40th or lower who you think, then give me like a sentence or two, why 
that guy could finish in the top 30. I'm going to cheat a little bit on the 40th because I really like Jose Miranda and I want to talk about him and I got him 38th. We were waiting and waiting for him to get called up last year by Minnesota. And even though they were having a dreadful season, I still don't understand why they did not give this guy a taste of the majors. They gave him no reward for a brilliant two-level season at double and triple A. Put up 13 homers in 47 games in double A with a 162 WRC plus, And then 17 homers in 80 games at triple A with a 156 WRC plus. Doesn't strike out much. Doesn't walk a ton, but doesn't need to when you're not striking out. He needs to get called up relatively early into this season and be playing, um, even if it's you know uh, DH. If they want to continue to play Josh Donaldson there, Donaldson should not be blocking him up. Obviously, Donaldson should probably be playing DH, but we know he'll probably have a say in making sure he gets on the field at least a bit. He doesn't want to sit around all the time. But Miranda can swing it. I really, really like him. I got him at 38. And then one other guy is Jake Berger over with the White Sox. I remember when he came up, playing time is a, is a tough find for him mm-hmm. and, and maybe even a little bit for Miranda, to be honest, because they have Kirill off at DH, Miguel Sano at first, and Donaldson at third. So I get it on, on, on both ends there. But uh, as far as Jake Berger goes, I like him with the White Sox. Came up, got a little taste. I'm not going to make anything of 42 plate appearances, but was really clubbing it at AAA with 18 homers, 239 ISO, has the the strikeouts for sure, 36% at the majors, 27% in the minors, but the pop is real. Got a 60 raw the last time he was uh, analyzed by our prospect team, and I think he could end up being somebody who comes up and puts up some big home run numbers if the playing time were to open. Obviously, they have a Abreu at first, Moncada at third, uh, but Gavin Sheets is at DH, actually, who I, I like, but if Berger found his playing time, he's somebody who could play way above his ranking, which, like I said, is currently down at 48 for mm-hmm. Jake Berger and then 38 for Miranda. So those are my two guys that I'm keeping a close eye on, even though my ranking for them isn't particularly high. Yeah, and I would attest to Berger's abilities to hit in AAA because I saw him quite a bit here in Charlotte. Uh, That's right. It is, a, it is an offensive-friendly park here, uh, but that said, he does hit the ball uh, quite well. Uh, and he really needs to have the Berger time. Uh, music and walk-up <laughs> music and he doesn't and it's so disappointing really disappointing too, to me too perfect i would just love embrace that. it yeah and justin had to drop so i'll i'll put one on him because he didn't even rank this guy and you have him as your dead last guy but i'm gonna throw one out there for rugnet odor and, and hear O'Dor me out love. and hear me out right so he's hit 30 or more home runs in in three of the past five full seasons uh with things and now he's in baltimore and baltimore we know sucks uh, but we know what it's good at is left-handed power. I mean, we look at Justin's boy, Cedric Mullins, last year, who hit 23 of his home runs at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry, 27. It was 27 of 30 of his home runs, if I have that split right. But wow. so much of his so much of his stuff came from hitting in um, uh, in Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Uh, and that's where Odor, you know, he's on, uh, you know, he's on a one-year deal with Baltimore. It's clearly just a, hey, uh, I'm sorry, he had... Uh, 20, yeah, he had 22 of his 30 home runs, uh, Mullins did. But Odor, he's now playing on a one-year contract. I mean, last year they gave Michael Franco 400-and-something plate appearances. Uh, exactly. But, he's trying yeah, to fill so that. For me, Odor, he's gonna, he can play. and Like, he may hit a buck 95. But this is also the same club who gave Chris Davis all that playing time. Yes, they were paying Chris Davis, and that's a little bit different. But they brought Odor in on a major league deal, and I think they gave him eight million for it too. So mm-hmm. it's not like it's uh, it's like he could be uh, in or out. And I always love these types of guys where 
uh, last year with your with your club with Jonathan Scope. Jonathan Scope was free. You could yeah. go get him in any league last year. Nobody wanted him. CJ Crone was close to free, if not free, and both those guys were productive. At, yeah, Crone only moved up when he went to Colorado, but before yeah. that, that you know, the interest wasn't wasn't moving. Then, of course, Colorado power hitter. You know, that's going to send off the fireworks. Listen, I, I hear you on Odor. Um, I, he's always been a guy that I've been kind of against. I've never been a huge fan because he's always been so bad at baseball, but really good at fantasy. Um, you know, he has these an 86 career WRC plus. But like you said, he has the 330 homer seasons. He had uh, three, all three of them came with double digit steals as well. So I get it. And even this past year, he popped 15 homers in 361 plate appearances. But what's the average cost? I think he's still somebody that you're, you're, you're picking him up in spots to to mm-hmm. start here and there, but I don't know that you want to rely on on Odor for any amount of time unless you've planned with the batting average. And if you go out and you you directly plan for it, then it can work. I think that's something that I've hit on a lot is just plan for certain guys that you want to take. Then you can take on their flaw and it's not it's not a major concern to you. And I imagine Odor is just dirt cheap too, right? Well, yeah, and the other thing about him is, uh, yeah, his his five sixteen. So we're talking like he's not even the realm of possibility of fifteen team mixed with seven, you know, with six reserve picks. He's still not being taken. He's gone yeah. as high as three eighty four, but as low as five ninety five. But wow. if you can plan for this type of thing, and let's he's not he's not even twenty eight years old. It feels like he's been in the league fifteen years, that, but he's not even twenty eight years old. And to be like, I just just today. Uh, Rotowire, my value in the scrap heap, and Odor is the last guy that I mentioned, just because it's the perfect situation of a team that has nothing else to play for. They're out of contention on day one, and there's no, and this guy is going to play. So if you could throw a, a final round reserve pick on him uh, and, and see what happens, and if he sucks out of the gate, you cut him. Nothing lost, nothing gained. True. But if he comes out hot and all of a sudden it's like, oh, hey, then he's going to cost you money. And and we know he can hit 30 home runs because he's done it multiple times and and as, as recent as 2019. So it can be done. Last year was really tough. It, you know, there's a lot of hype with him going to Yankee Stadium. Like, oh, he's going to do something. And he started out hot. But then he, was yeah, like, was oh, saying, yeah. he had some moves there, too, that, yeah. uh, you know, looked like he was going to maybe maybe be a guy for them. And he had zero steals last year. That's he hadn't had stolen base in the last two seasons of play, which is a little tough. Uh, but we'll have to see where it goes. But you know, in Baltimore again, he's got he, he can be like this year's version of nothing to lose. He's going to play, uh, and well, if the batting average now he's had the batting average volatility as low as one sixty seven, as high as two seventy one over those same thirty plus home run seasons. So the you know which way that pendulum swings, we'll have to see. But this is the type of guy if you can just get him in the end of the reserve rounds and, and see what happens, you could be rewarded with it. And fifty round draft and hold, you know, you're looking to turn over different rocks to to pop something. Um, Odor could be like a twenty five ten, and and if you're getting that as late as you are, that's a huge boon. So I, I got it from that angle. I hear you. I'm actually going to move him up a few spots. Baltimore playing time power. Sure, fifty-five, probably two low. Forty-nine, four. baby. Put him in forty-nine. <laughs> I put him at forty-six. Actually, I even moved him higher than that. So, all right. Well, Justin had to go. So, uh, Jason, thank you so much for joining us uh, during your holiday vacation. Have a great Christmas week, and uh, hopefully, we can get you on one more time before you go back to work. Yeah. Now- 
towards the back of next week will be cool. And then uh, I guess we'll resume the Sunday stuff uh, once we get into January or we get some actual news to discuss. Exactly. Because uh, I don't do the positional rankings. Uh, it's just not my thing. I, I like doing player caps. I've been doing a whole bunch of those um, for Rotowire and ESPN uh, right now. And like I said, the, the value in the Scrap Beep article just went up at Rotowire, but I don't do player rankings. Um, but well, get, I do like talking you to about drive, it. Yeah, getting you to drive again would be great too. So even if we have Jan take, you th- take us through another position, that'd be a lot of fun too. So until then, we'll talk to you later. Have a good one. See you guys.